Welcome to The Bridge, a podcast exploring how we get to the future we really want. My name is Jared Michaels. I am a Zen priest, a psychotherapist, and a longtime student of this bridge. I am thrilled to be here with my friend and colleague Chris Searles and our guests as we try to build this bridge together. Welcome to The Bridge, a podcast exploring whole person, whole planet solutions to the environmental crisis. I'm Chris Searles. I'm founder and director of Biointegrity, and my partner in this podcast, Jared Michaels, is going to introduce our guest, Travis Ben Robinson. Thanks, Chris, and welcome, Trav. Travis is a very good friend of mine and a colleague We've been good friends for something about 15 years now. And uh, I was really inspired by you, Trav, to not write out the introduction, to just make it up as I go, as is your style. So mm-hmm. this is what I want to say about you. You're the direct, co-director of the Marina Counseling Center. You are a longtime Tibetan Buddhist practitioner. You studied... I don't know if the right word is monastically. Maybe you can help me out with that word. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, it was uh, more of a yogi place, but it was a meditation center. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you did yeah. that for a few years in mm-hmm. Brazil. Um, over, yeah, over a decade in, in both in Brazil, New Mexico, and primarily up in Northern California at a place called Chagdu Gampa Rigzilum. For, for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got that number off by quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. And 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 more important than your like so so this conversation is going to be about spirituality. But more important than your, you know, your spiritual resume, so to speak, <laughs> I want to I just I I I think of you as a very spiritual person. I, I know you don't walk around identifying that way, but I just think you are. And so I, I, mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to pick your brain. We, you know, we, we have this giant topic. How do we move mm-hmm. into the future we want? And how do we solve all the big problems, including mm-hmm. climate change? And my sense is that spirituality is a big part of the solution. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought you'd be a really good person to talk to about it. Yeah, appreciate being invited into the program. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious to see how, what unfolds and everything, you know, that you guys are talking about is definitely interesting to me. So, yeah. Great. Great. Well, again, welcome. And it also, in, you know, inspired by you, I thought that we could hold the whole conversation in a ritual. Okay. And uh, as is your style, I thought we could each bring something and show each other. And I know listeners can't see it, but we can describe it and and say why we brought that thing. (laughs) And um, perhaps say a quick intention for the conversation. And then at the end, revisit the fact that it's a ritual. And yeah, dedicate like the three, the three different parts of a, of Buddhist practice, right? Are the sort of the invocation, the intention, right? Then the practice itself, which is be our conversation probably. And then the dedication of what as what we've done for for the benefit of all beings. That's, that's what constitutes practice. Sounds perfect. So why don't one of the two of you start with your object? I'll start because I'm not muted. <laughs> I have uh, I have an object that's actually up on my was up on my I have a lot of objects around here. Let me tell you, this is my, my home office, my COVID office. It's filled with with support, right? That's what these are, support, support. And I have with me a red-tailed hawk talon that um, we found this poor red-tailed hawk in the COVID period hit by a car. And, uh, you know, just, you're not supposed to pick up these birds. 
<laughs> it's illegal. Okay, so we didn't do it. This is all a dream. But anyway, say we did. Um, then uh, I just really wanted to honor this being that had had such majesty, and I didn't want I didn't want this being just to be picked up on the side of the road or ride. So I wanted to honor this being's body, and so this is his talent, his claw or her claw might have been a her. And I have some feathers. These are feathers from. And I, I honored him. Uh, it was so beautiful. I put him in my yard, surrounded him with flowers, said a ton of prayers, put, put uh, some incense there, and he was gone in the morning. Mm. You know, and uh, there was something about that that just felt so deep. And uh, I did want to keep a little part of him to kind of remind me of the impermanence of, of life. And as, as, as majestic as you might be, and this is one of the only hawks I've ever seen on the side of the road. You see owls a lot because they have a hard time flying at night with big trucks. But you know, you hardly see the hawks, and even a majestic hawk can lose its life. And it's just a, it's just a, a very edgy, kind of intense, almost looks like a shamanic tool. Has a, a little crystal on one side just to think about the impermanence of life that gets grasped from us sometimes, and not to take not, not to take it for granted. It's really, really beautiful. Uh, Jared, if I may, let me go next, because mine is thrown together about three seconds after you said, what object did you bring? Um, I actually forgot about this part that I was supposed to bring something. And um, and so I'm sitting here at my workspace and I looked for something that really does have significance. And so I, I grabbed this stapler, which um, in, a, in a spiritual sense, um, is representative to me of, of sort of my efforts to connect the, uh, the things that I'm learning now about life as a, this embodiment of spirituality in physical form with the non-living physical forms that are currently destroying life. And in, in other words, for us to uh, kind of relate our industrial built world with, as uh, Wendell Berry says, the given world, the, the, uh, the natural things that are in the environment. And I think this, you know, the idea of like hitting the stapler and the, the sort of force of that, I, I don't like. So it's, it's representative of um, maybe a willful decision not to pound things into uh, a bond, but instead of this, this sort of moment that we're in where we don't quite know how to connect and alleviate the negative physical materialistic things that we have built in the last say 150 years 200 years to the actual biospheric reality the, the fact that we just get this incredible moment where we are all alive at the same time and we don't really understand it and um, it's this miracle of coming into being and, and then existing in a body and then as, as um, Travis was saying the impermanence of all of that and the last thing I'll say is that from the environmental perspective, this has really become more and more the, the centerpiece of how I understand our climate solution, our uh, social solution, our cultural solution, our economic solution, that we need to bring these things into harmony, the, the material manufactured world with the actual living reality that we depend on. So it's representative of all that for me. And my intention is to keep working in that direction and to learn from you guys today. Thanks, Chris. I'm glad you forgot to bring something and remembered <laughs> at the last second. It seems perfect. So here's mine. This is a, um, I forgot what this is called. It looks like quartz, but it's not. Is it and selenite? It, selenite? It's not selenite. Hmm. Evidently, it is what the Vikings used to navigate, like the, the sun oh, yeah, yeah, shine yeah. through it. Whatever. moon crystal moonstone yeah. something like that yeah, sun sunstone never heard of this yeah, yeah and i got it um in bellingham washington it's a rectangle but it's sort of a slanted rectangle and i picked it because kind of like what you were just talking about chris like you you're wanting the world to to kind of to learn how to manufacture in harmony with the living world and this to me is like a building block of the new world. 
So it's yeah. it's like made of light. And uh, as I, are we. Well, exactly, yeah. and that's I I believe that the, that waking up to who we really are is if not the one of the foundational building blocks of this this mm -hmm. world we're trying to create so it's symbolic of that mm -hmm. and my intention is just to it's to help yeah build this new world and to just make space trav particularly for your offering to it um, I think my intention is just to be true to myself in this moment and see what happens and allow that to be here and wish for benefit, you know, hope, hoping that it helps. Uh, Travis, so we wanted to start with a, a very broad kind of fun yeah. question. You know, what is, what is sacredness? What, what is the sort of the idea of sacredness or the, the meaning of that to you? And, and, are sacredness and enlightenment and awareness and awakening, are they sort of synonymous at the end of the day? Or, or is it, you know, do, can you talk a little bit about distinctions? Yeah. It's mm. a pretty big question. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I don't mind. Secret, sagrado. Um, well, I mean, I think they're—I think they are—they are interwoven and ubiquitous. Really, all of those, um, you know. I think in the the what's coming to me is just kind of sometimes it'll, this is what happens. Like I'll I'll just like let go, and like something's coming through right now. Um, and then I talked about it, and it went away. <laughs> <That's the way. laughs> uh, oh, but it came back. It wasn't too far away. I think, you know, the sacred, the way that those combine for me is that it's a, a deep recognition. That's the word that was coming through. A deep recognition of our, of our true nature. That's what's sacred. And this sort of self-knowing, but the self is so much bigger than you can imagine. It's the biggest self. It's the beyond, it's beyond the words um, self the really the most sacred word I think in, in Tibetan Buddhism is Yeshe. And Yeshe is loosely translated or I've heard translated many different ways, but Ye is sort of the before, uh, was something before or primordial or timeless. She is knowing, right? So it's before the knowing, before the trying to grasp on it. It's the, this nature, this, this, this nature that's been sacred the whole time, never lost its sacredness never went into confusion, never went into grasping, never went into separation, fragmentation. So this recognition of that nature though, this re-recognition of that nature is what I would call the practice, right? And a re-recognizing the sacred, what has been lost, but is found again in recognition of self-knowing. And that's the practice itself. How do we get there? You know, how do we re-recognize the sacred? You know, um, I think that's the biggest question that we have. And and just tied to, to the environmental question is like, how do we start to recognize the sacred again so that we can really honor it and be with it and protect it and, you know, uh, become it literally, right? Become the dance of it. Uh, so that we know that we're killing ourselves, you know, so that we're, uh, we know that we're deluding ourselves if we're not becoming the dance with it um, and literally becoming it. Okay. So that's a, um, so, so how do we do that? How do we remember that we're sacred? How do we wake up to the fact we're sacred? Well, well, let me give some space again because something feels like feels like I got a helping spirit kind of coming through these questions, which is nice. I think that this sort of what's coming through, and I, again, I don't know. I'm, I'm trusting it. It's not like separate from me, but the 
there isn't one answer for, for, for this, you know? And uh, Lung Chimpa, who was uh, um, a great uh, uh, practitioner of the 12th, 12th century-ish, you know, he would say that as many beings, sentient beings as there are, so as many, uh, and whatever you consider sentience, you know, even I, I consider planting sentient personally, all the way up into that level, uh, or even maybe mineral, mineral but, but the, there's controversy around that and I don't care about it. <laughs> the, the, as many beings, you know, as, as many sentient beings as, as there are, every being has their own spiritual pathway to the awakening, the, that nature. There's no one, there is no one way to it. And that it makes it um, confusing, right? Because there's a lot of ways to get to the source. And um, then we, we start to say, oh, this is the way I got to the source. You gotta go this way. And uh, I've heard, it, heard that many times in my life. And I, I didn't really get to the source until I stumbled on my own way to the source, you know, and it was only made for me, even though it was in a, it was, it was like a lot of people had kind of walked around and they were like, hey, this place is cool. Like you can get to the mountain this way, you know, and, but man, I had to stumble my own way up there. And it was only when I stumbled my way up there um, and re realized I wasn't my teacher. I wasn't this, I wasn't. I wasn't anything. I just was like, I just sort of stumbled in myself in the biggest way, you know, like this most, this most beautiful part of this, of a self-acceptance and a self-seeing and self-recognition, you know, that I think I started to kind of find the source. So it's tricky, you know, I don't know. I mean, um, my, my, my main Buddhist teacher would say, you just have to kind of follow what is warm to you and keep following the warmth. Don't get lost in the cold. So whatever is inspiring you in that moment that seems to be bringing you kind of closer to basic principles of love, compassion, togetherness, less fragmentation, more wholeness, more, you, you keep following it, you know? And you keep following, there, there's like a, 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 a way uh, that they call it, it's a, a very beautiful uh, um, phrase called the, the steaming breath of the Dakinis. Which is the, the steaming breath of the, the what again? Dakinis, dakinis, literally. The dakini means uh, a skygoer. Uh, this is a, a, um, a Tibetan, a, a, a Tibetan spirit, uh, a feminine spirit that's more more enlightened. And uh, so there's just like almost like these helping spirits or whatever you know that I could kind of feel are around me right now. Hmm. Just like that, you, there's a warmth. You follow the breath the warmth of the wisdom, there's, there's something that you follow, you know, and, and um, trust yourself in that, trust your own guidance in that, um, try to find what feels right for you, not what someone else is telling you is the thing to do. So it's a complicated answer, you know, I, I feel like that there's a sense like, every day where I'm, I'm finding the, what was once warm is not warm the next day. You know, the same teaching sometimes doesn't work again. You know, we're, we're living in a time where we're having to like lose the patriarchy uh, that has led us to a lot of different places. You know, we're having to embrace things that, and, and, and there are whole different secret directions that we're kind of going. And uh, I think things are opening up now that, we're never there before, honestly, and 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 we have to trust. We have to trust what what is just true for us. You know, what feels safe, what feels loving, what feels, you know, like what what does your intuition say? What does your what's your mind say? Are you what of the teachings that have worked for you? You said about this, you know. Yeah. That was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I want to ask you, you know, I mentioned before we started talking about how much I was moved by the language on your website. And one of the pages you're talking about your, I guess your therapeutic approach. Yeah. And you list these five characteristics about how you kind of participate. And um, so this might be also very much one of the, uh, 
primary ways of recognizing sacredness to me anyway. And I wanted to hear what yeah. you guys each thought about this. Sure. So there's these five things and you, you say um, that your approach is heart-centered, awareness-based, relational, humanistic, and somatically influenced, which means influenced not just by the mind, but by the body. The, the body holds important information you say on the website. And so to me, especially the, the sort of the, the first three and the, the fourth one, the fifth one, heart, yeah. awareness, relations, and body yeah. have been yeah. really meaningful of late. And I've started to derive this uh, sense that we all have an internal integrity that's physical. You can feel it. You know when you're not telling the truth or you know when someone's hurting your feelings, et cetera. And you know when you're living in a bad, you're in a bad situation. Our culture at the moment maybe is so obsessed with distractions and entertainments and so forth that we're not as in touch with this integrity as we, we certainly can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But for me, the, the connectivity to what Jared and I have been talking about a little bit of body awareness and body intelligence, mm -hmm. your physical mm -hmm. intelligence yeah, yeah, yeah. has been a real stepping stone into feeling more mm -hmm. spiritually yeah. aware all, all the time of, you know, other individuals yeah, yeah. experiences. Absolutely. So yeah. How does that hit you guys? <clears throat> you want to take that on Jared first? Or you want to, you want to no, please you go. Okay. I felt it. I felt the, it coming to you first. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let me just say that the mind and the body are not, are not separate, right? Even from a neuroscience perspective, we know that the right brain is really every cell of the body. And it's, it's, it's just the unfiltered part of the, the experience, right? And it kind of, kind of goes up in the left brain and gets organized if we, if we have enough time and safety to integrate all that. So I, lo I love the idea. I, I can't remember. There, there's a book. Uh, about some, it was a near, I think became a neuroscientist or already was a neuroscientist where she lost that, that connection between the right and the left brain. Maybe you guys remember the title of the book, you can put it out, out there, but she was just having this pure awareness experience, right? This purely, this pure sensual awareness experience. Uh, and there's so much information that is possible through every cell in the body that then extends out into our environment with every, with in subtle, subtle ways, right? Yeah. And so we're gonna get so much information about, and then when you, at least, you know, and I, I just wanna say, it's probably unusual for people to, under, to understand this if they haven't done it, but when you sink down even further into meditation, the body gets bigger, the sphere of what you're experiencing gets bigger. And in fact, it starts to kind of go out and out and out and out, not in a dissociative way, but from, from a kind of centerless center, and that's all, you're never gonna be able to talk about it in language, but it goes out in, into the infinite, right? So now you've got this body that's really sensing things and bringing information. From that place, you can find the sacred. It's not that hard to find the sacred. The sacred's gonna to come to you. It's gonna give you all kinds of information. The sacred will be on every corner of the, of the town. It's gonna to be everywhere. You know, and it, it's through the body. And then what, what, what often trips us up is that our mind starts to kind of trip out on it. You know, like, mm -hmm. oh, this is, who's this? And that's the, oh, no, it's who's ego. And I, oh, you know, I'm going to identify with this other thing, you know, and, and that, that becomes like a real uh, hindrance to finding the sacred is that we try to organize it and categorize it and put it, that, that's helpful too. I mean, it's wonderful to, to, to make meaning of our experience and stories and all of that, but to finding that sacred, to breaking it down, the somatic, uh, the relationships, like you're saying, the, but it's even, it's like, a, it's like relationship is sometimes self and other, right? And you start to get into the relationship where it's self and self, right? Self and self, where there is no, you know, the other, the other is not as other as we think it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the, uh, but it is, I, I like what you bring it in. It's like through, through the body, when you extend through the body and the bo body and the mind really become one and then the body extends out further and further through its willingness, its safety, its sense of just connection, uh, then that it's, you start to find the sacred, like the sacred, it's not even like you find the sacred, the sacred's everywhere. It's like, you're not, you're, and you respect that you don't have to know it it's not one thing 
right? It's everywhere and it's related and it's, it's like, it's wise and it's, it's your teacher. It's coming through. It's the helping spirit. It's everything. As you said, so you, you start to recognize this. Yeah. So it's like, when you know that that's not separate from you, that's not separate from your wisdom, that's not separate from your love, you start to just recognize like, oh my God, I am, you know, and what's the joke, the, the, the old, I love these little stories, the, the, it's a, a Hindu story where the teacher says to the student, oh my gosh, I have, you know, I have to tell you, this is the, one of the final teachings, you are everything, everything, you are God. Right, so the kid, you know, it's a twelve-year-old kid, just unbelievable. Goes out to the street and just, I am God. I can't believe it. I'm God. I'm everything. I'm imbued. Ah, just like all of this pride and this strength and this, uh, you know, this power. And then, you know, there's an elephant walking down the street. Obviously, it's an Indian story. And and he's like, I'm God. I'm God. He's not even scared of the elephant. Stands right in front of the elephant. Of course, the elephant picks him up with his trunk and throws him in the mud on the side of the street. So he goes back to his teacher. He says, I thought you said I was, I'm God. He said, well, what about the God of the elephant? And so there's this like sense of like, it's not, we get, we don't want to like hold that in this like kind of e egotistical way. It's a whole different story here. It's just a story of a great humility and a connection that is so sacred and that we don't know anything. We don't know anything. Every time we think we're gonna try to organize something, we're gonna like follow, it's gonna be proven wrong the next day. Something mm -hmm. else is gonna happen. You know, it's like the, there's a, there, there has to be this great openness and humility to that sacred place. You know? Anyway, yeah. come on in, Jared. I'm gonna piggyback, yeah. Uh, uh, you spoke to how I would put it, two different kinds of knowing. The not the not knowing anything you talked about at the end. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The two the, the is, two great wisdoms, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is the not knowing it's like a not knowing mentally. <laughs> it's a not knowing yeah. mentally. But the knowing you talked about earlier, you know, the knowing yeah. that you are sacred, yeah, yeah. that you are God, that you are infinite, that knowing is known yeah. through body consciousness. And it's it's mm -hmm. a no it's a different kind of knowing and it's a yeah it's a uh it's a it's a it's a much more it's a much it's older like, it's a much older knowing than like, than uh the mind. Yeah, it's the yeshe before before the mind. Yes. Literally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there's uh to just give one more word to all of this. You talk about Travis on your website. This word sub selves, you know, our sub selves. Yeah, yeah. The self yeah, sure. beneath the the self. And um yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that figures into obviously what you guys are talking about. And I also just wanted to throw into this area. The other thing I liked about these five points that you make on the website is from the standpoint, especially of spiritual recognition or sacred recognizing sacredness, is you're talking about these different facets of what Jared just named. Um, body awareness, you know, the heart is one, yeah. the awareness is kind of a, um, a different kind of, uh, intellectual or, or consciousness yeah. that you're oh, talking gosh. about, like intuition, so right? Yeah. 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 And then relational is how you uh, feel in, in your interactions with others, uh, whoever they are, the, the red tail hawk mm -hmm. or, you know, and, um, or the elephant, I'm the sorry. elephant. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. the ideas in your head, you know, and then, yeah, right. uh, and then yeah. of course the body uh, piece as well. And, and I just think uh, I'm, I've learned a lot from Jared on, on this focus recently. And I'm, I'm excited about yeah. sub self and, and connecting to. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. The parts, you know, multiplicity inside. Yeah. 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 It's very interesting stuff. Yeah. Thank you. So what I am imagining is that we have this table between us and we are putting on this table, these uh, gifts for the world and gifts for, how, gifts for how to create a new world, a better world. Mm -hmm. And I really love that. It's like, I, I sort of picture like almost like a screensaver with the, you know, it's like dots that 
appear and then disappear. Like some of these gifts appear and disappear. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like some stuff is warm some days, mm-hmm. some stuff is cold some days. You still though, having said that, some of these gifts seem to me to be like pretty warm, pretty consistently. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. It's not to throw away, throw away the genuineness of the pathways. Right? I mean, there are. I just wanted to just say that there's, that there are. You know that, and if they're warm to you, you keep following them. You know? Sure. Yeah. And I, absolutely. And I, and I hear you. Yeah. Saying that, I, I, I so I'm I'm wanting to collect the gifts we've put out there and see if there yeah. are any any missing. Um. Definitely body consciousness and meditation go in there. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, coming from the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it, it, this was implied, but you spent, you know, you spent a lot of time studying or practicing residentially. So there's some something about that was very helpful for me. Yeah, yeah something yeah. about um, like doing a longer retreat practice. Or, yeah, longer retreat yeah. practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I I'd like to add this question, which I've found mm-hmm. is in a lot of lineages. But this question: Who am I? Is that. Or, you know, yeah, yeah, it's the, it's a, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go. No, no, I was, I'm just reckoning, raising where it came from, but yeah, I keep going. Where, where do you? Uh, think I think it, that's Ramana Maharishi in the, in the south of India. I used to ask I, that question. I yeah, under, yeah, the tree. right, right. Yeah. I'm just imagining being a listener and wanting to sink my teeth into, to, to like know what the tools are, to know how to, how how are some yeah. of the best ways to to practice? How are some of the best ways to wake up? And I also there's one more really big one. It's to trust your own that that you said, Travis. To trust your own intuition. To trust your own uh, instincts. I really well, love I, that. That's I it's really that's... important. But sometimes that's hard to find intuition. I think that that's like, you know, if you want to like really, like some people are like, well, what's intuition and what's like a reactivity? You know, like what's the difference mm-hmm. between the two, you know, or how can I just know that that's not, I think even that is, it's not, it's, uh, it's it can be tricky. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I just want to put some, I want to, so if you want, if you want things on the table that I think are really, really yes. absolutely key for the, Please. for the listeners to, sink their teeth into safety has to be key right you have to have safety in your life Hmm. if you don't have safety you can't move up you can't move on to other things and until we have safety we're going to just need to find it you know so so one of the things about retreat practices you're often in a very very safe place so that you can open up right and your food's brought to you and you're you're out you're out in a nature somewhere and you're away away from the dangers often and that i think that's something that's come to me over time i don't think i knew that when i was in the practice honestly i don't talk about safety too much but it's something i've learned after being you know being a, a psychotherapist for for over a decade now that like without safety nothing happens we have to have that I really appreciate you speaking to that. Yes, yeah. same here. Yeah. We have to be in a, a safe enough situation, you know, and, and that means our home, our relations, and it's just our basics, you know. So I do want to put that on the table. And that people that aren't safe often are wandering from teacher to teacher to teacher, trying to find safety. And they may not find it. You know, unless unless they know that that's really the most one of the most important things. It makes me think of Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah, absolutely. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. for anybody who's, anyone's not listening, it's a pyramid. And the, the bottom of the pyramid is safety and base, your basics being met. Once that's met, you can get to higher functioning. Yeah. Right. And uh, I think top of the pyramid is that spiritual you know, juice mm-hmm. that we're talking about. The other thing, too, is that what once there is safety and if there's a curiosity around sacredness, you know, it, it's like it's once safety comes, there starts to be curiosity. Oh, what is, you know, like what? Who am I? Like, like you said, who am I? What am I? You know, like that. With that safety comes curiosity. Uh, they all the seeds like compassion, calm. Um, I would say like this is just to add into the somatic place, uh, like somatic regulation, a regulation down into the, you know, the, in the vague, literally the vagus nerve, the ventral vagus, dropping in. You know, the polyvagal theory is super fascinating to me. Like that ventral vagus, socially engaged, safety, togetherness. Like once that's there, things start to open up compassion calm curiosity creativity like stuff starts to really you know our nature starts to really come evident us i connected to this realization in a different way a few years ago when i just first began looking at um ecosystems and and thinking about wilderness and i went to a a religious preschool that had a, a forest canopy over the playscape and the the modality for the education of these preschool teachers was that they spent as much time with the kids outside as they could all the time. And they had yeah. zero, zero discipline problems um, when that was the case. And they talked about how they gave the children a little bit of a vocabulary about, you know, that's Mr. Squirrel. He lives in our forest. And there goes mm-hmm. uh, the yellow bird. She's a whatever. You know, they, they kind of ad- identified some of the species that are easy to follow. And you just got a sense of, because it was a, a religious place, uh, preschool, that the primary component was, yeah, once you are among people that you feel safe with and you yeah. are sort of comfortable physically, you know, because it's uh, in Texas, it gets real hot <laughs> in the summer, but in the, in the forest canopy, it's pretty nice. And then you have kind of things to do that, that it connects you that to the all of the life that's around you. It is more rewarding and more fulfilling than just about uh, any other experience and and that these kids were demonstrating that to, to something you said earlier uh at sort of a just a sliver of it you were talking about how you know there's so much information coming into every cell of our mm-hmm. experience but as a you know just a basic sort of everyday human being or a child in school if you're forced to sit still and stare mm-hmm. forward and there's just white white walls around you and you're supposed to stay focused on one thing that's really hard to do. But if you're outside and you've got sounds and breezes and little distractions that don't distract from the main thing that you're doing and there's a playfulness and, you know, the light yeah. is moving and there's smells yeah, yeah. and all these things, you see these children, these, these uh, pre-school children that mm-hmm. are not difficult to communicate with, not difficult mm-hmm. to keep sort of in a good behavioral mindset and, you know, they want to participate. And I, I just found that fascinating. So just sort of my my experience supports exactly what you guys are yeah. talking about, a different approach, a different starting point. It's awesome, yeah. Uh, I've had that same experience. I was, I was a river guide for a long time too, one of my lifetimes, whitewater river guide. And on the, uh, when you brought kids on the, on the river, you know, who were who like, never want to leave their rooms with video games or something. As soon as you put it in sand and rock and river or whatever, they'd just be occupied for hours. Yeah, the you know, littlest things are, are amazing. Yeah. It's you know Yeah, and just you know, in that in that sacredness of the land and what it was giving, like Wendell Barrel, Wendell Berries that you're given, you know, it's really powerful. Yeah. I like to that. So I wanna ask you uh I wanna ask you this. If you imagine for a few seconds a future that is where the you know the collective where have we have really woken up mm. what does that look like like in, in actuality like what does what does life look like what does relationship look like what do towns look like you know what does that look like 
you know, it's funny. In one way, I'm not much of a future tripper. In another way, I love sci-fi. So I'm way into it, too. Um, way into thinking about it. You know, I, I get I get kind of like, I get a little bit creepy, like kind of like, it creeps me out to think about utopias. I don't even think that's what you're saying, but I like it. I, it kind of like, there, there's something about like this perfect world out there that I already think we're living in a perfect world. Yes. Um, and that there's, we just don't recognize it. And that there's, there's a lot of non-recognition and sacredness going on right now. So maybe that's not perfect, but I, I don't know, for, for me to kind of project out into some future where people are more aware and more connected and that, you know, the more interconnected, that, that's a, it is a beautiful idea, but I'd have to spend, I think my nature doesn't want me to do that. My nature wants me to stay right here mm. and just go, okay, so perfection's happening. Great perfection's happening right now. The great completion's already here. So how do we move from this moment forward, moment by moment, and in better relations with our heart and open to the wisdom that's coming, right? That's coming in, you know, uh, humble. And how do I walk every step of the way with that kind of mindfulness and presence and listening to my intuition so that eventually I am just in the world that you're, you're talking about. I am not separate from that world in this moment, even right now in 2021 in COVID in just this, this sort of um, climate, climate confused political zone, you know, where, how do I, how do I, how do I, how do I live in that? There's a story, and all these stories you keep coming to me, I guess that's part of, <laughs> part of this, is that in Vietnam, uh, where you had U.S. soldiers fighting the Viet Cong, and in this terrible hell realm, really, you know, awful, can't even imagine how awful. And then there'd be these Buddhist monks just walking across the field. And they would just be in all reports, and there was many reports of this, like they would be in it. They would be in sacred. They'd be in the sacred. They'd be in the pure realm, walking across this battlefield. And so I think it's that kind of deep attitude walking across this, this terrible battlefield in a way that we're in, in many ways, that we need to start to kind of be in and, and, and not take up the guns on either side. I look, I respect that I, those people are coming from a place. I'm not gonna disrespect it. I'm not gonna disrespect what's going on in terms of the military or whatever. I think that there's, Trump or, Trump or Rinpoche used to say, don't you dare even have thoughts about the military. There's something bigger going on karmically. That you don't even know about and so okay but i want to take that step i want to be that that monk that walks across that battlefield in it so that i'm in that land already and maybe more more of us do that we we start to start start to create more of what we, i think you're implying you know but that's just where my mind goes that's really beautiful. And I, as you said, walk, I want to be that monk walking. I, the bridge, you know, the yeah. name of this podcast came to mind. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I, for the first time in this conversation and saw, saw us walking across it. Yeah. And I, I want to say one more thing. I love this shamanic teaching that goes as within so without, mm -hmm. as above, so below. And so to me, what you're talking about is it's like true grassroots activism. It's not like you're all just happy inside and peaceful in this like autonomous way as you're walking across the battlefield. Like there is a consequence of you being in peace, you being in the perfection or wholeness of the moment, there are ripple effects of that. Absolutely. And that's, and that's what some of these, some of the soldiers, the US soldiers were like blown away by this, right? It changed their lives. One, a, a 20 second entry into their lives completely changed their lives. 
is something that's happening there. Mm-hmm. And so that was a kind of activism, a grassroots activism, but even deeper, it was just a, a dancing of the kind of go back to it. It was a dancing with it, right? A dancing in the sacred, even a, a kind of a, an act of defiance, if you will, that I can be in the sacred in the middle of this hell. And, I, and I'm here, I'm, and I'm right here with you. Sacredness you know? is still here, even in this yes. war-torn you know, place. Absolutely. And what, you know, and that's, it's just important to recognize that, not to go somewhere else. Well, thank you. I uh, really appreciate you responding authentically. And I, I want to um, bring us into the, to the wrap-up stage with any final thoughts anybody, any of the three of us have, and um, a dedication. Well, maybe we can end with the dedication. And one of my final thoughts is just gratitude for you, like on a friend level, just mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. here, and also mm-hmm. on a a world transformation level. I, I'm grateful that you you came. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for the opportunity to relate, to connect, to to allow me to open up so that there's some whatever whatever else is out here that wanted to talk through me a little bit. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's say these words, you know. Um, <laughs> it's nice to have the opportunity to just yeah, it's, I have gratitude too. Just thank you for the invite, but also just like, you know, it's through, through the invitation that I can work kind of allowed to like open up without the invitation. This is all just going to stay, stay right in here and contained and, and not get shared. I mean, I, I'm a teacher I'm a psychotherapist or whatever, but there's a, even a deeper practice sometimes in Buddhism where it's like a, a request to remain, right? You, you ask the teachers to remain, to keep, keep teaching, you know? But you have to request it, <laughs> you know. If there's no request or no invitation, then the teachers aren't going to stick around. They're going to go into the bar, <laughs> go in some other lifetime, some other realm, where maybe there's more need. So that that sense of invitation just helps me connect to those teachers and connect to mm. what you know what they what they give me as a gift and what I can internalize and kind of connect to. Trav, I've already asked yep. you to stick around, mm-hmm. but I will ask you again. Please stick around. Please. Yeah, I hear you. I, I, I hear that from enough that I'm going to be around for a little while. It's just good. Yeah, thank you. And and the cat, too. <laughs> yeah, the cats, they, they help me stick around. She's, yeah, speaking. <laughs> I, I might add a, a just a... a as quick as I can say, final thought that we did throw quite a big topic out at the beginning. And um, Jared and I, when we were talking about talking with you, we're, we're really interested in exploring the idea of sacredness and enlightenment and how yeah. you know much of a requirement this is to achieve an environmental solution. Among, among the many things that I'm thinking of right now, I just throw in that I really appreciate that you've identified what I, I certainly agree with that I was kind of raised in as well but the idea of like this stapler that i have is sacred in a certain sense and can be certainly used in a sacred way to move sacred purposes forward mm-hmm. and and you're when we we're asking you about sort of what does it look like in the future if everyone wakes up and is enlightened and you were saying I, i'm not tr- as comfortable trying to predict the future but i do think that where we are right now is already perfect in a way or already sacred rather in a way and yet here we are in this conflict. We're not sure how to manage. There's, there's so many problems among humans. There's so many problems for the future of hum, humans and life. And, and so I, I um, what I'm trying to get at is I, I really appreciate that you have put it out there that the, the sacredness is here. And also that um, we have to recognize that it can sort of get, it, it can improve. We, we can, we can connect to it in a more meaningful way. More of us can connect to it. It's already here. And, and so we're trying to get this, establish this connection for ourselves, you know, our own integrity, our own relationships, our own sense yeah. of everything matters. Yeah, that's right. You got to keep connecting to it. That is the practice. 
We gotta keep connecting. We gotta keep following that warmth, the steamy breath of the bikinis or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. and that's that's the practice, and it will keep showing you things you never even imagined. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Well, th- again, thanks for the invite, and um, you know, may may there be some benefit. And I I I'm not. I I, I love. I love the fact that there may not be, and that's okay. You know, we came with our hearts and we're doing our best. And I'm happy to show up to a to an empty classroom and that's okay. You know, I'm gonna show up still. But may there be bigger, may there be benefit. May we with our hearts uh, and minds and everything that's connected find, find a way where there's less suffering. That's really the key. There's less suffering in this world that we're living in right here in this moment. Where there are so many people who are so caught and hurt, and um, and there will be more, you know. May, may we find ways to be to really be with that suffering, to walk in that sacredness. And I think that monk who's walking across that battlefield is absorbed in it all, but he's also in pain. But that pain is also part of it. That's got to be our our dedication, you know. Um, and until until. Uh, yeah, and we've got to stay connected for that. We can't do it unless we're connected. We cannot go into this suffering unless we're really connected and help it. I love that you spontaneously did our dedication. I loved that dedication. Thanks so much for, for coming, Trav. We've been talking with Travis Ben Robinson. He's an integrative psychotherapist in San Francisco, and his website is travisbenrobinson.com. Ben, B-E-N, travisbenrobinson.com. Please check it out. Take care, Trav. Take care, everybody. Okay.